Okay, everybody. Welcome back, and we're going to complete our study today of John's writings. We started with the Gospel of John, and then we went to John's letters, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. So before we read this specific passage, um, does anybody have any comments or thoughts on on completing this whole journey now of John's writings? Any Anything that they wanted to add before we got into this passage? Anything interesting stand out to you? Concepts? There definitely were, I just can't name them. You have to speak up, buddy. What, what was that, Seth? I said, there definitely was. Yeah. I just can't remember. That's okay. It's okay. If you remember something, you know, go ahead and go ahead and share it. So, so moving into Third John, John's last letter, we're going to focus on verses nine through twelve, and this is a really kind of interesting passage, and I'm excited to hear what everybody has to share and what your insights were. So, um, our questions that we were trying to focus on in this study was, what stands out to us in the passage? What, what do we think is interesting? And what we're trying to focus on, what do we learn about God and the kind of person he is through this passage? And then lastly, we'll have a conversation about what changes do we need to make in response to it. So that being said, I'll go ahead and read it. And I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, this is 3 John, verses 9 through 12. I wrote something to the church, but... Diet, di Let me try that one more time. I never could pronounce this guy's name Di right. Diatrophies? Sherry, how do you spell that name? How do you pronounce it? That is diatrophies. 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 We're going with diatrophies today. Okay, thank you, Sherry. All right, starting again. I wrote something to the church, but diatrophies who loves to have first place among them, does not receive our authority. This is why, if I come, I will remind him of the works he is doing, slandering us with malicious words, and he is not satisfied with that. He not only refuses to welcome fellow believers, but he even stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Everyone speaks well of Demetrius, even the truth itself. And we also speak well of him. And you know that our testimony is true. Would somebody like to read that in a different translation, maybe? It had a little bit different wording, different descriptions. NIV. So, Seth, go ahead with the NIV. Derek, what, what do you got? New Living Translation. Okay, so we'll have Seth read the NIV, and then Derek, you go ahead with the New Living. Speak up. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call. Attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refused to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and put, puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not Im imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does not, who does what is good, is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. 
Great. Thank you, Seth. Okay, Derek, go ahead. I wrote to the church about this, but Diotrephes, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. When I come, I will report some of the things he is doing and the evil accusations he is making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them. And when they do help, he puts them out of the church. Dear friend, don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove they are God's children, and those who do evil prove that they do not know God. Everyone speaks highly of Demetrius, as does the truth itself. We ourselves can say the same for him, and you know we speak the truth. Thank you, Derek. So, pretty interesting little story, isn't it? Yeah, that's awesome. And so, you know, uh, who would like to go first? What stands out to you in this passage? What do you, what do you think, you know, at initial reading? And, and um, you know, if there's a specific verse that you want to focus on, just start describing a little bit more. So I wrote something down here just in verse 9, just to start verse 9 while you guys are kind of thinking your thoughts through. Uh, they, in John's description of Di Diotrephes, who loves to have first place among them. That part right there. Who loves to have first place among them. So I want to draw your attention to Isaiah chapter 14, verses 13 through 14. This is the prophet Isaiah describing Satan. Listen to what he says about Satan. You said to yourself, I will ascend to the heavens. I will set my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of God's assembly in the remotest parts of the north. I will ascend above the highest clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Pretty interesting parallel there, isn't it? What stands out to you? You know, anyone here joining us? Anything interesting? So we get started? I think um, diatrophies sounds to me a lot like a lot of issues with churches even now. Very nice. Still hasn't changed. Yeah? Meaning what? Explain a little bit more. Um, Diotrephes sounds like a lot of churches. A lot of the issues with churches these days. Okay. Um, loves to be first, won't welcome people, um, spreading malicious nonsense, etc. Yeah. Just reminds me of that. And then it goes on to say something about Seth, yeah, entertaining okay. evil. Yeah. And so funny. Luis, go ahead. Um, it sounds like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yes. Wolf in sheep's clothing, so almost like someone who's making claims about who they are, but their actions speak otherwise, kind of a concept? Yes. Interesting. Sherry. I also noticed that one of the things that Diotrephes is doing is that he's not just making his own decision about you know, who to entertain at his home or whatever, but he's also, he says, not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them. And when they do help, he puts them out of the church. So he's really forcing his will and his conscience and decisions on other people, which we've studied to great length, is not part of God's character to force and coerce like that. Right. Yeah. It's very interesting, isn't it? 
Anybody else as we read down through um, have any other thoughts? You know, contrast what we are learning about Diotrephes and what we read already in Isaiah about Lucifer, and let's read what um, is written in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 9. I find this really interesting. So it, it's contrasting two different characters or methods of way people live. Um, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That's an interesting contrast, isn't it? From one dude named Diotrephes, who, who loves to be... Um, the, the version I have, CSB wrote, um, he loves to have first place. I think there was another translation that worded like, the desire of his heart was to have first place. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Derek? I think it's, um, well, you see all kinds of evidence in Scripture of leadership. Like, God definitely calls people to be leaders. It's not that being a leader is, is wrong, but it sounds like how you see leadership could be really off-target or really on-target. Mm. I'm thinking this always kind of amused me, too. Like, Moses is described in the Old Testament as the most humble person ever, which is pretty funny because he's the one that wrote that. But... Um, uh, like to contrast that, like being super humble and not seeing yourself as a leader versus loving being first, loving being the guy in charge. Like that's, that's a big difference. And it seems like if you love being the leader, maybe that disqualifies you from leadership as God demonstrates it anyway. Very interesting. Joe, do you have anything to add? Joe arrived and he's offline now. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, I'm guessing he probably sent that in a text and I didn't see it. Very good. Yeah, that's um, that's pretty true. Pretty wild. What do you guys think about, you know, in this passage so far, we're just working our way down through. We haven't even got down to, you know, in verse 11 where John starts writing about imitate what is good. What are we learning about God in the first two verses? Verse 9 and 10 where it's talking about idiotrophies. Is there anything in there that comes to mind about what we're learning about God and the kind of person he is? I remember Seth a couple weeks ago. No, I'm sorry. It was Seth or Carter. I, can't, I think it was Seth. Sorry, guys. Um, one of you said, yeah, Seth. God, God is revealed to, to the people, to us. That's right. God is revealed through people, through us, through our characters. So if you were in a church with Diotrephes as your leader what would he be revealing about the kind of person God is? Evil. Selfish. Evil, selfish. Luis, I think she has something to say. I can see her shaking her head. I would say he's not He's not um, showing God at all. I, mean, I think he's showing the devil. Ooh. That's harsh words there now. <laughs> Well, the wolf in sheep's clothing is the most clever and can 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 make himself look like God when he's not. What does the Bible, how does the Bible describe Satan in the last days that Satan will come as a what? 
angel of light. An angel of light. And so light in the Bible represents love, truth, all that stuff. Light represents the kind of person God is, which is love and truth and freedom. So you'll have Satan who shows up saying he's all about love and truth and freedom and all this stuff, the methods of God, but ultimately he's not. Yeah, Luis. I would be willing to say that he's probably the type of guy who's like very charismatic and like uh, buddy buddy with everybody mm. to look good. But that's just a shot in the dark knowing how people are these days when they can be really clever and, and very manipulative in a, in a very passive way, but still be dangerous. That's right. Yes, Sherry. One other word that I see here that, you know, describes him like Satan would be that he is uh, making evil accusations against Ooh. the people who are traveling around for God. So, you know, Satan is the ultimate accuser. And that that's another parallel, I think. Absolutely. Satan stands... I think Ellen White, I can't remember which book it is, but Ellen, it, she describes Satan stands as the accuser of the brethren. That's, yeah. common. That's right. He's the one that stands. They're accusing you, making accusations. And so, you know, can you, can you accuse somebody without evidence to back your accusation? I'm sure you can, but the point is, most of the time when, when people are accusing you of something, the, the way to respond would be show them the evidence to support your accusations. What evidence do you have? And if there's no truth on your side, then you don't have any evidence either. So, um, Let's move down into verse 11. I wrote here under quotes, imitate what is good. John says, dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Why? Why is it important to imitate what is good? Does anybody have any... Thoughts on that before I give my insights? It's how you influence people. It's how you influence people? Anybody else? Luis? Um, I like how Jenny's put it when he says, Dear friend, do not get duped into imitating evil. So don't get tricked. That's uh, the remedy, right? The remedy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get tricked into doing anything evil. Interesting. Well, what about this concept? Imitate what is good because of the design law of worship. The law of worship. The law of worship states that our brains and our characters are changed to become like what we spend our time focusing, admiring, and imitating. We're actually changed into that, right? So if you're imitating what is not good, then you will become not good. Hebrews 12 has this really awesome description of what imitate what is good looks like. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. So Paul writes in Hebrews, fix your eyes on Jesus. Anything else come to mind about some examples of what imitate what is good? Maybe some Bible references, some scriptural verses come to mind. How about Philippians 4.8? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. That's not like our society these days, is it? 
people out with good intentions, but just the wrong path, the wrong. Yeah. yeah, people getting tricked. Like I said, speak a little louder. I can't. Like people getting tricked. People getting tricked. Yeah. Any any thoughts or comments on that? Anything more to to think about that? Imitate what is good. The law of worship. I um. I was thinking about how sometimes people have the right intentions, but they go about it the wrong way, even though the the outcome is good. Okay. I I thought maybe um I've been in situations like that, and I'm sure a lot of you that that you have the right intentions, but things don't turn out the way you thought they could they that the way you wanted them to. And I think that could be a form of imit imitating evil. Um, it just um, yeah, so I, I, th I think it just Especially if, especially if you have somebody trying to be good that talks you into doing it or wants you to help them do it or whatever. So what are you, are you saying someone who's trying to do good talks you into doing good or trying talks you in maybe changes your mind or persuades you to do something. Yeah, it, it's definitely, Sherry, go ahead. I think you have a comment. Um, I think, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely where, you know, being wise and having a good, a good handle on what is right, because it is right, because it actually is right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, that'll really help when the accuser or someone who's coming trying to trick you into doing what's not right. Um, kind of gets on you there. If we move down, you know, there's something I want to share with you from the Come and Reason website um, from their Bible study class. I think this is from 2020, 2020 actually, quarter four, lesson seven, um, where uh, they wrote, contrasting the methods of God's spirit versus Satan's spirit. Again, imitating what is good, having this mind of Christ, which is also in you, this whole concept. What do you guys think of this breakdown? Let me read it for you. Um, the spirit of God is love. Evil spirits are selfish. We see that right away in this example with Diotrephes, don't we? Mm. I mean, right away it comes out. The spirit of God is truth. Evil spirits lie. We see that right away again, right? Diotrephes is coming up with accusations and lies and stuff. The spirit of God gives freedom. Evil spirits coerce and enslave. He's doing that too, isn't he? He's not allowing people to help. He's kicking people out. Like, we definitely see this contrast. The Spirit of God heals, evil spirits destroy. The Spirit of God gives, the Spirit of God is giving, evil spirits take. The Spirit of God removes fear, evil spirits incite fear. The Spirit of God brings stability, evil spirits cause instability. You know, that's really interesting where some you, it's almost like you can, there are some people who are gifted at bringing people together and creating stability 
and then there's other people who are gifted at division and creating instability. Two separate spirits there. The Spirit of God is patient while evil spirits are impulsive. The Spirit of God is kind. Evil spirits are cruel. The Spirit of God forgives. Evil spirits are resentful. Does any of us deal with resentments? Yeah. Resentments are a big one. We all deal with those, absolutely. Evil spirits keep score and require appeasement. The Spirit of God sacrifices self for others, and evil spirits sacrifices others for self. What do you guys think about that? Is there any, any comments on that list going down through? Uh, all the evil ones are about self-pleasure and self. just bump yourself. All the evil ones are about self. Yeah. Completely self-focused. Yeah. Pretty much. Any other thoughts on that? Louise? Um, I've seen, and I've done this personally, um, doing good things for the wrong reason. Okay. Explain a little bit more. Um, well... I, if you're like, all right, I'm just going to be blunt. Um, I said in the past, I'm sick of having boyfriends. I have to convert. So I would try to convert them and do the Holy Spirit's job just so I can have them to be with. Mm. And that you know, you know, there's no no need to be ashamed of that because we all do that, don't we? To, to some or another in different ways, but a lot of us do certain things and serve and act or 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 whatever because there's some sort of self we could possibly get out of it from the end. Just, yeah. Any other comments on that before we keep going? trying to convert someone and really can only push them away more like actually trying right yeah but absolutely i couldn't hear you yeah seth you'll have to speak up when you talk yeah, sorry you're super soft spoken dude I'm, i just woke up so yeah someone get that man a cup of coffee <laughs> so let's look at this verse here luke 6 45 and then we'll finish out our reading with verse 12 because verse 12 is really profound and i think that this kind of brings it all back together for us Luke 6.45 says, A good person, this is Jesus' words, A good person produces good out of the good st stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Do you see that parallel or that connection between when John's writing about imitates what's good because there's a design law of worship at play where what we spend time imitating, admiring, stores up in our heart, and then we become whatever it is, and then it overflows, and that's who we are. That's our character. Yeah. You see that connection there, how that works? So, with that in mind, let's go to verse 12. And I, let's just say, is someone available and willing to read for us verse 12? 3 John, verse 12. Would someone like to read that for us? Um, 
Everyone speaks well of Demetrius. The truth itself verifies that he is in unity of heart and mind with God. And we also confirm how well he represents God in all he does. And you know we only speak the truth. Thank you, Louise. You hear about that with Demetrius, the contrast in this whole thing? Diotrephes, imitating what's good, love, worship. And now we get to this guy named Demetrius. And what stands out to you in that verse? Does anything jump out at you about what John writes about Demetrius? He speaks good stuff about him. Seth speaks good Seth about him? Speaks good things about him. Okay. Anybody else? What stands out to you about that? But you, Morgan, what do you think? I see you over there analyzing and thinking and considering. <laughs> uh, I'm just being my skeptical self. Good. And saying, like, why does it matter what people say about him? Because he could be leading them astray just like Diotrephes was. Interesting. They just like him better or something. Okay. I like it. So what do you, what do you think is the answer there, though? I don't know. So there's several elements to that verse that talked about everyone speaks well of Demetrius, even the truth itself, and we also speak well of him and you know our testimony is true. So it's not just what other people are saying about Demetrius, it's also, and if you read, if you read previously in the book, so we kind of brought this out in, in previous lessons, where in the book of 2 John, John talks about if anyone speaks contrary to the teachings of Jesus. Do you guys remember when we went through that? If anyone talks about what is contrary to the teachings of Jesus, the truth isn't in him. Don't give him platform to speak. Don't let him into your homes. Don't let him preach because he speak, He is, and, and John wrote it plainly, he is Antichrist. So we kind of follow that back and we said, so what, we, we asked the question, what is the teaching of Jesus then? And that led us to John, the Gospel of John chapter 17, where Jesus wrote, I have come for this purpose to make God's character known. So in other words, if what a person is demonstrating and teaching isn't in harmony with what Jesus was teaching, which is the truth about who God is, then they're not speaking the truth. They're also not demonstrating the truth. And so with and you can see that contrast between Diotrephes and his character and what he's speaking and then with Demetrius. Now, who is claiming that Demetrius is a good dude? Demetrius or other people? The truth itself. The truth itself and other people. And other. What do you guys think? Sandstrom, Luis, any comments on that? Any additional thoughts on that? I think it's an awfully big contrast that he's not the one, that Demetrius isn't the one saying it. Kind of like how you said, it said that Moses was a humble man, but he's the one who wrote the, the, that book. He wasn't him saying it. So, and when you, so I've heard it said that sometimes when you hear, when you hear enough things being said, like if you if you hear enough people saying the same thing, then maybe you better look into it, especially if it's a quirk that kind of messes up God's view. Okay, Sherry, uh, you have a comment. Well, I was I was thinking back to that specifically that Morgan said, and he's right. You can never really know for a hundred percent sure because people do trick you. Um, there are people that you know we've all known probably that we really thought were great people, and they turned out not to be. But I think you know, as far as 
as they could tell at the time, he was a good dude. And unless he proved himself otherwise. And there are people in my life that I've gotten to know so well that I know for certainty, just for like as certain as I can possibly be about a human, that they're good people. You know, like my dad, I know him really well. I've known him for 51 and a half years. And if all of a sudden I found out he did something bad, I would seriously question the, the source because I know him really well. So I think there are people that you can be virtually 100% sure about. And to your, thank you, Sherry, for sharing that. And to your point, and also Morgan, to what you're saying, um, somewhere, and I, I'll have to find it and share with you guys later, but Paul writes, I want to say maybe it's in one of the Corinthians, but on the testimony of two or three witnesses, he makes this point that says if, if, if I say, Morgan, that you're a good dude, yeah, that's just my opinion. But if three or four or five or six other people, oh, yeah. a community say, Morgan's a good dude, that's, that's something totally different. And so that's what you're finding here in verse 12 where Jesus talks about that. Everyone speaks well of Demetrius. And how many people is everyone? Everybody in the church that John's writing to. So that's, that's, that's a little bit different. Um, that, but Charlie, that does happen where everyone speaks highly of someone and later you find out they're yes. pedophiles, for example. Yes, exactly. Yes, that, that does happen. It does happen. Absolutely. So then what's the answer? So what do we learn about ourselves? What should we do in these situations then? Seth? Well, I don't know if this is the right answer, but I, learned, I think that we're all capable of great evil and great good. Yes. That yes. Alexander Shostanitsyn, he's the guy who wrote the Gulag Archipelago back in Russia, during the Soviet Union. He wrote in one of his books, the line between good and evil cuts through the heart of every man. Right through the middle, the line between good and evil. And he goes on further after that quote to describe this process that in every given day, every human being is balancing on this very fine line between good and evil. And all it takes is a step one way or a step the other way all day long, every day. And Ellen White brings it up in the book Education where she says that the student would be wise to find the thread of the great controversy woven through our lives and in every event that takes place in society. It's an amazing quote from the book Education. And it describes virtually the same exact thing that the Soviet um, prisoner of war wrote in his book. Um, those are some pretty interesting quotes there. So. Well, let's look at this. Philippians 2, verse 9. You remember we read in Philippians where he said Jesus didn't seek equality with God, be something to be grasped. He humbled himself. Well, let's see what happens at the end of that whole description. In verse 9, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, Therefore, as a result, right, as a result of Jesus humbling himself, not seeking to be God, not saying, I'm the man, worship me, taking the form of a slave, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So who is it that exalted Jesus? Somebody else, right? Do you see the contrast there between those two? Jesus himself isn't saying, I want to be the boss, like Diotrephes was saying. Jesus is saying, no, I want to be the servant. I want to humble myself. Demetrius did the same thing. 
And you find you found found a parallel there where John is saying everyone's saying Demetrius is in harmony with the truth. Other people are uplifting Demetrius, just like Jesus, God is saying, "I will uplift Jesus and give him a name above every name." What do you guys think about that? Well, I would say that God is really the only one that knows our hearts, our complete right. hearts. So he's really the only one that's qualified to make that that judgment or that decision. Yes, absolutely. It's a good way to humble yourself. A good way to humble yourself? Yeah, be a servant. To be a servant? Not literally, but to yeah. serve other people. Demetrius made no claims about himself, just like Jesus didn't make any claims about himself either. God described the kind of person Jesus was just as other people described the kind of person Demetrius was. So, what do you think, right? If we've learned about imitate what is good, don't imitate what is evil, out of the abundance of our heart the mouth speaks. What do you think is overflowing in a person's heart that makes them make claims about themselves? If someone like, like Diotrephes is making claims about himself, what is stored up in his heart that makes a person do that? Insecurity. Insecurity? Yeah. Anybody maybe, else? Maybe some anger. Anger? Maybe some trauma. Or... I think it's much more fundamental and basic than that. Pride. 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 Yeah. I believe it's pride. If a person has stored up a bunch of pride in their heart, then that will Go ahead, Sherry. Sorry. I think a lot of those things stem from the same thing, though, that they're looking at themselves, looking to themselves for their needs, as opposed to, to God. Like, if we realize, like, what the guys were saying there, you know, is insightful because it refers to how we feel when we look to ourselves. We might feel really insecure, um, and the other things that they were saying, because it's only us that we're looking to yes not looking to god we don't necessarily realize that it's not us that needs to be all that but i think it does stem even pride kind of stems out of selfishness yeah. because you're still looking to yourself to be the one the guy and not to god absolutely and that is in philippians where it talked about have the mind of christ have the mind in you, which is also in Christ, who humbled himself in the form of a servant, right? To be the one, like what you're describing, Sherry, is to have the mind of Satan. To say, I want to ascend. I want to be in charge. I want to be whatever it is. I I need to feel, you know, what you're talking about. And, and so, yeah, those, I think, Seth said trauma, Carter, you said anger. Yeah, no, I, no, no. I said insecurity. 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 I actually agree with him more on that. Yeah. I think it is an insecurity. Have a lot of all those things point right back to that. I think they're right. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. I was just going to say he wants to feel important for some reason or another. Right? He's the focus is on human validation versus the validation that comes that you're following in the footsteps of God, serving him. He's chasing the wrong thing. Chasing the wrong thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
So next week, thank you guys, everyone, Sandstrom's Luis. Thank you guys for all sharing. Next week, we have a corporate gathering that's March 19th. We're going to be meeting here on the farm, Hidden Stables of Dover. Uh, for those of you who will be listening to this online later on, you're welcome to come to the farm and have a corporate gathering with us. Uh, bring a, some food to share. We're going to do potluck style. It'll be good. Awesome. Awesome. And then March 26th, that's the following Sabbath, after the 19th, we're going to start uh, the book 1 Corinthians. We'll be moving into 1 Corinthians and working through some of Paul's writings. And so we have some notebook Bibles to hand out on the 19th that we're going to start using those during our discussions and um, all that kind of stuff. So if there isn't anyone with any last comments, I just Seth, have a question. Is, yes. is Corinthians the book of love? First like Corinthians does have a lot of that in it. Absolutely. First Corinthians has some. I heard that somewhere. It's, it's good. So I encourage you, if you want to, between now and then, between now and the 26th, sit down, give yourself an hour and a half, and read the whole book front to back. First okay. Corinthians. It's not that long, because 1 Corinthians is a letter. And how do you read a letter? In one chunk. You tear it open and you read it. Don't stop. Just read the whole book. Get, get Paul's big picture of what he's writing about in the letter. It's amazing. I highly encourage you to do that. Is it one letter, top to bottom? I think so, but now that you ask that question, you think maybe it potentially could be more than one, but I believe 1 Corinthians is one letter, top to bottom. Wow, that's, that's crazy. That's long. That's a lot. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yes. Yep. Poor Corinth had to read all that. Poor Corinth had to read all that. So think about that, though, right? Yeah. Just before well, we close, <laughs> when Paul wrote the letter 1 Corinthians, he mailed it. He shipped it to the church in Corinth, and one person got it and unrolled the scroll and just read it to the whole congregation. They didn't have verses or chapters or nothing. He just read the letter. And they had their own Bible study of it. And, they, and then they had to talk about the big chunk of what they just read. So yeah. so I encourage you all to do that. Read, read the whole book if you can before we get started on it. That way you have the overview of it, and then when we start actually nitpicking through chapter by chapter like we've been doing, it'll, it'll, it'll get some good discussion. So... All right. Is uh, do I have a volunteer to close for prayer? Anybody? Okay. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, we just praise you and we just thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you so much for the lessons that we've learned today in Third John about what we need to be focusing our attention on: things that are good, things that are praiseworthy, because. It, it, our life and our characters reflect that, which is ultimately a reflection of the kind of person that we believe you to be. God, may our lives always speak well of you. May our actions, our choices, our characters, um, our thoughts, Lord, may they always speak well of you and, and reflect accurately the kind of person you are. Thank you so much for this journey that we've had through all of John's writings and this picture of you, this, this God of love, um, and of healing that we have discovered. Bless us on this beautiful Sabbath day and keep us in your way until we come together again next week. In your name, amen. All right, everybody. Have a good day. Hey, may I, after you stop recording, may I screen share? Louise had something, had something to show her and anybody. Absolutely.